Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Good to be in the house of God this morning. I thank you, Pastor Ryan, for giving me the opportunity again to bring the word. And I'm excited to share what God has put in my heart. And it's always a privilege and an honor. And it's a big responsibility to, to be here, you know, bringing the word of God. And uh, so I'm ready. I, uh, are you like, guys, you like my new shoes? They look okay? Does that look good? I was trying to look young this morning. Uh, I, I would try to you look young as, for as long as I can. So maybe these shoes will help. Right? I don't usually wear, uh, but, you know, they look okay. I look, yes. But the sad story is that nobody has asked me if I can run faster with my new shoes. So, yeah. Being an adult... No, the answer is no, I can't. <laughs> I cannot. <clears throat> you know, speaking of that, I was, uh, I've, been, I've been trying to lose some weight. Yeah, believe it or not, yeah. I, I've been trying. Uh, you know, I always ask, it's a funny story. I always ask my, my, my daughter, Catalina. I always ask her, um, do you think I'm fat? And because, you know, the people say that kids and drunk people, they always tell the truth. But apparently my daughter has been lying to me this whole time. Because I was asking her, am I fat? She, she always says no. But just the other day, this, this week, she was laying on bed with us. And, and I asked her again, say, Catalina, you think I'm fat? And she didn't say anything. She stayed quiet. And I was like, maybe she didn't hear me. I'm like, Catalina... You think I'm fat? And she said, well, you're not skinny either. <laughs> so I guess I have to lose some weight. It's good to be in the house of God, church. This is a day that the Lord has made. Amen. And I'm glad you're here. I know we have some people missing, but you're here, so let's, let's uh, enjoy in the presence of God, and let's hear what God has to say for us this morning. The title of my message this morning, it's Great Faith. Can you say Great Faith? Great faith. That's the title of my message. So I'm going to start by asking you, how is your faith? <laughs> Think about that for a second. How is your faith? Are you a man or a woman of faith? The Bible talks about faith over and over. If you have read the Bible, if you have read the whole Bible, you know that the Bible talks about faith. Since Genesis all the way to Revelation, you hear faith. Maybe in a different language, but it always talks about faith. Faith is necessary. In fact, faith is, uh, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that's why when I ask you this morning, how is your faith? Do you have faith? Are you a man or a woman of faith? I know I have faith. And I know that if you are a follower of Christ, you have faith too. Because faith is necessary. We all need it. And this morning I want to talk to you about faith, but not just any faith. We're talking about great faith. This morning I have prepared a a topical sermon. 
if you know what a topical sermon is, it's a topical sermon. You pick a topic, and then you bring scripture from different parts, and you support your points. I usually prefer textual or expository sermons, but God gave me a topic. I'm like, okay, I guess this is what God wants me to talk about. So let's bring scripture and support our points to, uh, to deliver the word of God this morning. So the first portion of scripture that we're going to read is in Matthew chapter 21. If you want to turn there, I'm going to be reading. Uh, I use the NASB version. It's the best one it is out there. I'm just kidding. There's a lot of good versions, but I, I, this is my favorite one. Matthew 21. We're going to start reading for verse 18, and we're going to read a lot of Bible. So don't put, I'm going to tell you what I tell the youth. Don't put your Bibles away. You know, keep them ready because we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. I always remember my, uh, one of my teachers when I was in college, he used to tell us, he's like, when you're up here, you know, preaching, he said, the most inspired words that you're going to say are the ones you read out of this book. So we're going to read a little bit of scripture. So it says Matthew 21. We're going to read from verses 18 all the way through 22. It says, now in the morning, when he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Seeing a long fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves on it. And he said to it, no longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Saying this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to the mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Will you stay with me just for a minute as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be here in your house. I pray and I trust that you have brought us here to hear your word. We are grateful because we have a place where we can worship you. And we're grateful because we have access to your word. And we're ready to hear it and we're ready to receive it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. This is one of my favorite passages or uh, stories from about Jesus. And uh, as you were reading in the story, um, we're reading about Jesus when he's walking and he sees the fig tree. He comes to it looking for figs because he's hungry. He doesn't find any. But uh, one of the last, the last verse that we read, I want to read it again. Verse 22 says, And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. There's another translation that actually says, if you have faith, you will receive whatever you pray for. That sounds pretty good, right? If you have faith, you will receive whatever you pray for. Hold on, hold on, just a minute. Let's talk for a minute, okay? It's really that simple. I think we need to, the context of what's happening here to understand what Jesus is saying. 
when he said, if you have faith. So the first thing we need to do is we need to understand what's happening in the story. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Um, this, is, this will be day two of Jesus' last week of ministry. Day one was on a Sunday when he came into Jerusalem, when he had his triumphal entry in Jerusalem. That will be day one, Sunday. This will be day two on a Monday when he come across this fig tree. And the story says that Jesus is walking with his disciples and he became hungry. He sees a fig tree with leaves and he approaches the tree looking for figs and he doesn't find anything. And then he says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the tree withered. Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. And then it happens at once. But if you read on the, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark actually clarifies and says that it wasn't until the next day that they realized that the fig tree withered. But it really doesn't matter if it withered instantly or on the next day. It's still pretty amazing, right? But Jesus told them, no one's going to eat from you again, so it dried up. There's something that we need to understand about fig trees in order to appreciate what Jesus is doing here. So, figs grow on the branches before leaves sprout. If a fig tree has leaves, it should have figs. Since it was not season for figs, there should have not been leaves on the tree. So it's not that Jesus doesn't understand or doesn't know that it's not the season for figs. But he knows that, you know, at, at this time is the time of Passover, so this is like March, April. He knows it's a little bit early for, for figs, for, tree, for a fruit. But when he sees the, the fig tree with leaves, then he assumes, okay, if this figs has leaves, then it should have fruit. It's kind of like the, the Christian that it appears on the outside that it's a holy man or a holy woman. When, when you're dig a little deep, you found no fruit. That's a sermon for another time. <clears throat> so the big question, why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Was it because he was hungry, and since that he didn't find any figs, he cursed the tree? Was Jesus just hangry? Is that why he cursed the tree? Was it because Jesus was looking for an opportunity to display his divine power? Probably not. He had a big opportunity when he had the triumphal entry right at Jerusalem. He could have done it there. That's not why Jesus cursed the fig tree. I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is actually found in John chapter 5, verse 19. There's a few verses that I'll, that I'll read very quickly. John 5, chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Jesus therefore answered it and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. John chapter 5, verse 30 says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John chapter 8 says, verse 28, it says, Jesus therefore said, 
when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. The last one, John chapter 8, verse John chapter 8, verse 38 says, I speak the things which I have seen with my Father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your Father. So what is the answer? Not because Jesus was hungry. Not because it was going to be a good object lesson. According to the Gospel of John, Jesus cursed the fig tree because his Father told him to. Jesus knew that it was the Father's will for him to look for figs that morning and he was not going to find anything and then God would have told him to curse the fig tree. So that means that we need to rethink what happens in the life and ministry of Jesus. Everything that Jesus did and said was according to the will of his Father. Every single thing. Everything he said, everything he did, no miracle that he performed was done just because he wanted to. He did it because his father told him to. Amen. Jesus didn't walk on water because he, because he thought it was the shortest way to get from point A from, to point B. He walked on water because his father told him to. Jesus didn't multiply the loaves of bread and the fish because he saw a multitude hungry. He did it because his father told him to. In Mark 11, uh, verses 19 through 23, this is the next day, okay? And whenever uh, evening came, they will go out of the city, and as they were passing by the morning, and they saw the fig tree wither from the roots up, and being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, behold, the fig tree which you curse has withered. And Jesus answering, say, he said to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted to him. Jesus says, if you have faith, you can cast a mountain into the sea. And when Jesus says this mountain, he was probably pointing to the Mount of Olives, which is the mountain that, that is between Jerusalem and Bethany. As they were walking by, he probably pointed at the mountain and said, if you have faith, you can tell this mountain, move, and it's going to move. How does this work? What is Jesus really saying about faith? And this is where I want to talk to you about great faith. So I want to mention a couple of uh, portions of Scripture, a couple of examples where Jesus describes people of great faith. And the first one is the centurion, and the second one is the Canaanite woman. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 11, we have a story about the centurion. It says, and when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating uh, him, and saying, Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain, And he said to him, I will come and I will heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy of you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority 
with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to the other one, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled, and he said to, to those that were following him, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Jesus answered to the centurion, go your way, it shall be done as you have believed. So this is the story about the centurion. He comes to Jesus, and he asks him, I have a servant who needs healing. Please um, help me. Jesus said, okay, I will come. He's like, no, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy of you having you in my house. All you have to do is say the word, and it's going to happen. Because I, I know how authority works. You know, I have people under my authority, so when I tell them to do something, they do it. So all you have to do is say it, and it shall be done. And when Jesus hears these, he's like, oh, my word. What a great faith this man has. It shall be done as you have believed. I want to point out some of the elements of the faith of this centurion. He understands that Jesus is able. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come and asked Jesus for help. He knows that Jesus is merciful. He knows that Jesus cares. The centurions understand that he is undeserving. He doesn't deserve the mercy of Jesus. But he persisted in believing until he receives a final answer. Jesus said to him, it shall be done as you have believed. And it was done. And he understood that distance was not an issue. Jesus didn't have to show up. All he had to do was say the word. God is able. God is merciful. He persisted until he got the final answer. The other example of the Canaanite woman is a good story too. In uh, Matthew 15, verse 22, it says, And behold, the Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and be, uh, began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he, said, he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I don't know when was the last time somebody called you a dog. But in any culture, that's not a compliment. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, I'm sorry, verse 27, but she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs fed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Let's take a look at the elements of this, Can- of this Canaanite woman's faith. Basically the same thing. She knows that God is, that Jesus is able she knows that distance is not an issue because her daughter is not present. Jesus will have to travel. She knows that Jesus is merciful despite appearances. And if we need to expand a little bit more, she knows that Jesus is merciful even though he won't answer me when I talk to him. 
Jesus is merciful even when it seems that he's favoring other people and not favoring me. He said, I was not sent but only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus is merciful even when he appears not to value me. It is not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. How many times do you pray and you feel like God is not listening? Hmm? Jesus was listening, but he wasn't answering. You pray, you pray, and all you get is silence. And you're wondering, you know, all these years I've been serving God, being faithful, and I've been praying and praying for this miracle, for this, or for somebody to be healed, or for this petition, and you never see it. All you get is silence from God. Faith says Jesus is able, Jesus cares. Jesus is going to respond regardless of the appearances of things. She acknowledges that she's not this, she is undeserving, that she is not worthy. He, she, she said, I am but a dog. And I mean, I, I think I need to explain this. Dog was an idiom um, in, G, in Jewish language. You know, they would call Gentiles dogs. And it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You could take it as, you know, you're a Gentile or you're, you're a mutt. Um, some Jewish were mean, and they meant both. <laughs> but I don't think Jesus meant you're a dog. Jesus was meaning you're a Gentile. But it's still not a compliment. She acknowledges that she was undeserving. She persisted until she got a final answer. She even had people approach her and saying, you know, send her away, Jesus. She just keeps shouting. They were telling the woman, leave him alone. He's not paying attention to you. And she never quit until she got her final answer. God is able. God is merciful. And she persisted until she got a final answer. I want to give one more example of great faith. Just because it is possible that, you know, if we only had these two examples, we would think, okay, all I need is great faith, and I'm going to get whatever I'm asking for or whatever I pray for. Because if I have great faith, God should give me what I'm praying for, right? Okay. Almost, almost. Let's, let's read more, a little bit more. In the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 11 through 12, we have a story about Paul, the great apostle Paul. I love him because, you know, God did amazing things through his life. And you have in the story in the book of Acts, and we see that God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. It says that they used to take uh, handkerchiefs or aprons from his body, and they would take it to sick people or people who were demon-possessed, and those people were healed. So a handkerchief was a piece of clothing that they used to put on their heads. All they had to do is take them off Paul. He's like, here my handkerchief. Take it. Take it to whoever's sick, to whoever's demon possessed. They wave it at him, healed. That's extraordinary. That's radical, right? A man of faith. God use, using Paul greatly. But then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
verses 7 through 9, Paul says that God sent them a messenger, a thorn in the flesh, to keep him from exalting himself. And Paul says that he had asked God three times, and all three times God said, no. And the key elements of Paul's faith are the same thing. God is able. He knows that God is merciful. He persisted until he got his final answer. He asked once. God said no. He asked twice. All right, I'm going to try again. God says no. Does no means no? Does silence means no? Not necessarily. Third time. All right, I'm going to ask again. Paul says no. My grace is sufficient. We learn from Paul that you know, if you ask three times, all three times you get no, the answer is probably no. But notice the response of Paul. He wasn't like, okay, I guess God's going to make me suffer through this one. Whatever this thorn in the flesh was, you know, probably a sickness. But I guess, you know, Paul didn't say, okay, I guess I'm going to suffer. This is it. I, I got no. So I've got to tough it up, be a strong man, take it like a man. And just move on. That's not what Paul said. Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So Paul says, not only am I going to accept it, I'm going to glory in it. I'm weak. Yes. The power of God is going to manifest through my weaknesses. So in those moments of weaknesses... You can glory in it, you can complain about it, or you can glory in it, either one. But if God continues to say no, then you can continue and accept it and glory in it. Because when people will see that God can do great things to you, there will be no confusion uh, to know that it's the power of God who who is being manifested in your life. God is able, God is merciful, he persisted until he got a final answer. Jesus said, going back to the story of Jesus, have faith in God and you can move a mountain. So what is faith? I'm sure you guys are familiar with Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things not seen. This verse describes that faith's attitude as it rests on God's promises. So when Jesus says, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, and believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be to him. So when can I say to the mountain, get up and move? Well, under the same conditions when Jesus cursed the victory. Jesus had seen and he had heard the Father's will. And that's why he knew that God wanted him to curse the victory. That's faith. So unless God says something to me, to me, move the mountain, I'm not praying or I'm not saying anything. If God doesn't tell me, I'm not saying nothing. But if God says to me, Renee, tell this mountain, move. 
I have the certainty and the assurance that the mountain will move. Not because I said it, not because I pray for it, not because I have great faith, but because God said, tell the mountain to move. If I know the will of God, and if the will of God says, this mountain needs to move, and he tells you move this mountain, you will tell this mountain, move, and it shall move. That's how faith works. Jesus knew the will of God. And he knew the will of God because he had a relationship with his father. And it was easy for him to, to hear the voice of God. That's what he knew God wanted him to curse that tree. That's how his faith works. He knew the will of God. We cannot know the will of God if we're living at a distance from God. You won't be able to hear the voice of God if you only come on Sundays. If you think you can leave God here in church and go home and live your life in a different way, you won't be able to hear the voice of God. You won't be able to hear the will of God. You won't be able to know what to pray for. God is able. God is merciful. So knowing the, the when, when, when I say to the mountain, if, I say to, if God tells me to the mountain, move, and I say to the mountain, move, it's going, I know it's going to move. I have the assurance. But just because I know the what of God's will doesn't mean I know the when of God's will. Jesus told the fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And it wasn't until the next day that the fig tree withered. It wasn't immediately. It wasn't a year after. It was the next day. So knowing the what of God's will doesn't always mean that we know the when. Because sometimes we know the what, and we know the assurance. We know God told us, okay, I'm going to answer your, your prayer request. It's going to happen. God gave you the word. He told you. But then we know the what, and we assume that we know the when. And when we don't see it happening, a day pass, weeks, maybe years, and we're like, when is this going to happen? Whenever God decides to do it in God's timing. Sometimes we know the what, but we don't always know the when. Listen, church, uh, if we don't understand the way faith works, we're going to struggle in our walk with Christ. People can get hurt when they don't understand faith. Because sometimes you think, okay, because I have faith, God will answer my prayer. And people keep praying and asking God, praying and praying. They don't see their miracle. They don't see an answer. And they get discouraged, and they leave the church. Thinking, okay, I guess this stuff doesn't work. Because I've been praying. I don't see anything. I'm out of here. And then sometimes instead of helping, the church will say, okay, you didn't get the answer because you doubted in your heart. That's why. Or you didn't have enough faith. Not knowing that it's probably, it wasn't the will of God to happen. That's why didn't, that miracle didn't happen. 
people can get hurt if they don't understand the will of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. Um, I'm almost done. I, I heard a story when I was uh, back in, in Ohio. We used to live in Ohio. And uh, I heard this story when I was in college about a young man whose name was Dwight. His mother was severely sick. Um, she was, uh, I think it was some, I think it was some sort of cancer. And uh, they were praying for her, for her healing. And the pastor of the church told Dwight, we have prayed, we have prayed, and God told me that your mom was going to be healed. And then a few days passed, and his mom passed away. And the pastor says, told him, I mean, praise God, because God healed her, and he took her to a better place. And this young man was like, you're a liar. God's a liar. Because you told me my mom was going to be healed, and she wasn't. So instead of this pastor assuming responsibility, saying, I got it wrong. I'm sorry. And now Dwight is not serving God because in his mind, God is a liar. Christian people in the church, they're lying because he didn't understand how faith works. He didn't know the will of God. He didn't know for sure. If I don't know for sure, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and I've seen this, you know, sometimes somebody gives you a word and say, oh, the Lord told me that this is going to happen in your life, and then it doesn't happen, and people get discouraged, and they leave the church. How do you know for sure? When somebody gives me a word, I listen. And then I go home, and I pray about it. But I listen first. I don't ignore them. I listen. I'll be nice. Right. Hebrews eleven six says, Faith believes what God says. Uh, it says, but it, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I read this, this verse, and I understand that faith believes what God says, because we need to believe what God says to us. Faith obeys what God requires, and faith trusts and rests on God's promises. Trust is a big element of faith. We have to trust. If God tells you something, and if you know 100% sure it's from God, then it's going to happen, and you need to trust in God. And most Christians don't have a problem with, you know, believing what God says. They don't have a problem with obeying God's requirements. But a lot of us, including me, we struggle with the trusting part. I struggle with that. Sometimes I struggle with trusting in God. My wife reminds me we have to trust God in, in simple things like, you know, like work. Sometimes I'm like, man, next week, I don't know because I, I, I'm independent. I work, find my own clients. I do electrical work. And then she always reminds me, you know, we have to trust in God. And like next week, I don't know. We don't have any work. And then Sunday comes, I get text messages. And then Monday comes, I get another client, another client. And every week, I work because God is faithful. But it's hard sometimes to put a full trust in God. 
And uh, uh, I heard this story, but uh, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but it, it was a man called Charles Blundin or Blundin, something like that. He was a man who crossed the Niagara Falls in 18, uh, 1880, 1860, in a tie rope. They put a tie rope across the Niagara Falls. And uh, he, crossed the, uh, he, he crossed it, and he got really good at it that, you know, he did a few times. Uh, one time they said, the story says that he stopped midway, and he made himself an omelet in the middle. Another time he took a wheelbarrow, and they put a, a, a sack of potatoes inside. He went across, he came back. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And the people were watching, people were amazed, they were cheering, they got excited. And when he came back, he crossed, uh, he asked the crowd, do you guys think I can take this wheel back and I can put somebody inside the wheelbarrow and go and come back? And everybody's wild, yes, you can, you can do it. And everybody was cheering until he said, can I get a volunteer? Silence. Until one man stood up, he got in the wheelbarrow, took him the question is are you this man who stands up and trusts God or are you the crowd who's too quiet because trusting God is not easy you have to you have to fall it's like the trustful you gotta trust is somebody's gonna catch you it's not easy but faith believes that God is able, that God is merciful, and we have to persist until we receive our final answer. And our final answer may be a no. So we can either accept God's answer, we can complain about it, or we can accept it like Paul and be like, okay, I'm going to glory in whatever circumstances that I'm going through. And I'm going to put my full trust in God. It's not easy, church. I'm going to ask you to stand. It's not easy to put a full trust in God. You know, going back to the story of the, the, the Canaanite woman, when she came to Christ, when she came to Jesus, and she was asking for help, you know, after all the conversation, when Jesus finally said, okay, it shall be done to you as you have requested, she had to leave Jesus. Jesus stood there. And he had, she had to leave and she had to go back home to see her miracle. And if you don't know uh, the distance from where Jesus was all the way back home, it was a few hours of travel. Maybe a whole day. She had to walk a whole day back home. And you know what the devil was saying to her on that way home? No way. Really, Jesus is going to heal her. After she, he called you a dog, you think you really, uh, Jesus really cares about you. And she had to walk all the way back home, expecting to see her miracle. Can you imagine how she felt walking back home? Thinking, am I really going to see my daughter healed? Am I, only gonna, am I really going to see this? Just walking home, opening the door of a house, believing that she was going to see her daughter healed. 
that she was able to trust because she believed in the one who gave her the promise, Jesus. She knew that Jesus was not lying to her. She put her full trust in him. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. I'm going to pray together. I'm going to encourage you, if you're struggling in your faith, if you're praying for something, seen the answer we encourage you to come don't quit yet maybe you feel like God is silence you don't hear nothing from God but he will answer so as a team lead us in worship I'm going to invite you to come this morning listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.